This is In Focus from Control Risks, the global specialist risk consultancy. Each episode of In Focus brings you in-depth analysis and perspective from a different corner of our global network of experts. Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Control Risks, the global specialist risk consultancy. I'm Vincent Rouget, and this is now the fourth in our regular series of podcasts exploring the impact of COVID-19 on Sub-Saharan Africa. Today, we will cover more in detail the impact that COVID-19 is having on investors and on their deals in Sub-Saharan Africa. To cover these issues, I'm joined by Claire Morton, an Associate Director in our business intelligence practice focusing on Africa. Claire, it's great to have you on this podcast. Your team works on hundreds of due diligence investigations every year to support investments into Africa, whether we're talking of M&A deals, private equity investments, debt financing. So you've really seen firsthand the effect that uncertainty is having on these investors and lenders, how it's forcing them to re-strategize. When it comes to their due diligence process now, what challenges are they facing to keep their deals on track? Thanks, Vincent. Yeah, there are a couple of practical things that are creating real challenges for the due diligence process at the moment. So one of the main obstacles is accessing reliable and up-to-date corporate information. So this kind of information is really important for pre-investment due diligence. For example, company filings will show you the ultimate beneficial owners of a company and can also confirm if it's legally allowed to operate. In a lot of countries in sub-Saharan Africa, these records need to be requested and retrieved in person. Of course, since lockdown measures were put in place, some company registries have completely closed, and those that are open are operating with skeleton staff, which is causing significant delays. It's also difficult to obtain information from counterparties that may not have been prepared for remote working. This means they don't have access to certain documents, including copies of permits or licensing agreements, or correspondence with government agencies. They're also unable to provide information that is needed to complete even the most basic compliance checks. And I guess no travel means no site visits, no face-to-face meetings as well. Yep, you're completely correct. Um, This is another major obstacle we're seeing for our investors. Many deals in sub-Saharan Africa are the result of a series of face-to-face meetings over a prolonged period of time. These meetings are important for rapport building, Um, but they also allow each party to suss the other one out. As you mentioned, site visits are also important and are needed to complete things like environmental and social impact assessments, which can be a deal breaker for responsible investors. Further down the chain, project operators also rely on face-to-face meetings with ministers and officials to negotiate permits and finalise things like purchase agreements. We're now seeing an increase in bureaucratic delays as government agencies struggle to adapt to remote working. This has had a very tangible effect on things like obtaining signatures on documents, and we're also seeing delays to government tender rounds. For example, a bid round for a concession to operate a terminal in the port of Luanda in Angola, which had attracted interest from a lot of international operators, has just been postponed as a result of the outbreak. So we're seeing many deals, many tenders postponed or cancelled, but but it also seems that some transactions are still making progress, and our impression is that these Um, are those that managed to get past a certain point prior to COVID spreading to Africa. How then are you seeing your clients adapt their ways of working? How do they find workarounds? Um, And how is your team actually adjusting to support them when it comes to due diligence investigations? Yes, it's not all doom and gloom. Some countries like Kenya have been digitizing their corporate records over the past couple of years. Other countries such as Angola and Mozambique 
have digital copies of government gazettes, which can be searched for company information. Some of these records may be incomplete and not all are readily available, but they can serve as a useful stopgap until normal service does resume. Some institutions, such as the Public Investment Corporation in South Africa, have also adapted and are now allowing e-signatures on some documents. Although, as we have discussed, investors are unable to do site visits, they are now using other methods to gather information on counterparties. On-the-ground human source networks can play a critical role here and offer a great route to obtaining timely intelligence on projects or on counterparties. While we saw some delays at the beginning of the pandemic, our network of sources across the continent has really adapted and we now have access to a steady stream of intelligence. Let's turn to the, the slightly longer term now. It's, it's clear that COVID is not going away um, and it's really likely to have a long-term impact on how deal teams operate. Um, so as investors plan ahead for the next three to six months, what should they be thinking about now? Are there new questions that are emerging because of COVID-19? Are there new considerations that are becoming relevant from a business integrity perspective? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, investors should start thinking now about how they can tailor their due diligence in the wake of COVID-19. They'll also need to take a close look at how a potential counterparty reacted to the pandemic. So if you're in this kind of situation, the questions you might want to be asking include things like, how exposed was the target to COVID-19? For example, if it has a local or national government as a buyer of goods and services, then non-payment risks may have increased. What impact has COVID-19 had on the counterparty's liquidity? Is it still able to raise finance? What impact did the pandemic have on its supply chains? How did it treat its workers, both local and migrant? Did it engage in any unethical business practices during the pandemic? Or are there allegations, say, for example, that it might have paid bribes to get around government trading restrictions? We're already seeing investors considering some of these questions, and we expect the list to grow as the full effects of the pandemic become clear over the next couple of months. And I would add also that we've seen a lot of investors increasingly questioning um, the attitude of governments as well. You know, governments across Africa have shifted to crisis modes, as we discussed on our last economic podcast. Some are battling severe economic downturn. Uh, we're talking of GDPs contracting by up to 10% in some cases. And so inevitably, there are going to be cash flow issues. And that's making investors more at risk of erratic um, act government action or, or more drastic regulatory measures. Is that something you're seeing manifest itself already in some sectors? Um, and, and if you're an investor, how do you plan for these kinds of events? Yes, we're already seeing some sectors being affected more than others. Uh, an obvious example here would be the oil and gas industry. And a great case in point is Equatorial Guinea, which is one of the largest oil and gas producers uh, in sub-Saharan Africa. Now, while we've just seen the government of Equatorial Guinea announce measures to increase flexibility around exploration activities, which are aimed at reducing COVID-related contract risks, at the same time, the government announced stricter regulations promoting local content and limiting the amount of time expatriates can spend in the country. We know from past experience that local content regulations like these can pose a raft of compliance challenges for investors and for operators. There is also the possibility that some public-private partnership agreements, or PPPs, will be affected. These are quite common in the energy and infrastructure sectors across sub-Saharan Africa, and may be at risk as governments find themselves unable to fulfil their obligations. A great example here is the aviation industry. So we all know how hard this sector has been hit by COVID-19. And this is likely to have a knock-on effect on PPP agreements that were being pursued 
or are indeed already in place in countries such as Rwanda, Ethiopia, Ghana and Niger. These PPPs were all to support the modernization, expansion or construction of strategic airports. And we would expect that these deals will have to be revisited in the wake of COVID-19. We also know that several major African airlines are struggling, including Ethiopian Airlines, which is the continent's largest carrier. So there are a lot of unknowns for investors here. As governments reprioritize, there is a risk of contract or concession reviews. Attitudes towards foreign investment are likely to change, but these will vary from country to country and could be positive or negative. Regulatory changes, as you mentioned, are a real possibility and may be introduced with little warning. What I would say here is that investors need to monitor the macroeconomic climate of their current deals very closely, as well as keeping an eye on any political developments. To end on a positive note, there are some sectors that will weather the storm and indeed look set to flourish. Industries like telecoms, technology and also the healthcare sector. We're also expecting to see a focus on increasing domestic capacity, particularly as international supply chains remain disrupted. This will likely focus on sectors such as manufacturing and agriculture. Claire, we're going to end it here, but thanks very much for your time. In the next couple of episodes, we'll be talking with our analysts and security teams in our different African offices to discuss how security threats like crime, unrest or terrorism are evolving because of COVID-19 and what organizations are doing to adapt their security posture. Please do visit controlrace.com forward slash COVID-19 to read more of our analysis, to find out how we're helping our clients navigate this crisis, and please do reach out. Until then, thank you for listening and goodbye. If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode of In Focus, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. And be sure to subscribe to our other podcasts as well, such as The Global Insight, our fortnightly panel discussion exploring the impact of the most pressing issues on global business. All of our podcasts are available wherever you listen. Just search Control Risks. You can follow all of our analysis and find out how we are helping businesses build organizations that are secure, compliant, and resilient by visiting controlrisks.com.